In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. This evening we heard from Revelation about the worship of heaven, and from Exodus about how it can be foreshadowed on earth. That is what we try to do here in our worship. And benediction is an especially powerful reminder of it. The most elaborate descriptions of liturgy in the New Testament are found in Revelation, the fascinating if opaque final book of the Bible. And this evening's chapter gave us some familiar texts which have made their way into many Christian prayer books. Our liturgies are a present participation in the risen life of Christ and an anticipation of future glory. Whenever we say or sing holy, holy, holy before the Eucharistic prayer, we join in with the choir of the four living creatures described to us in the second lesson tonight from Revelation 4. You may know the story that in the year 988 AD, when Prince Vladimir of Kiev visited Constantinople, he wrote home after taking part in a Eucharist at Hagia Sophia there, we did not know whether we were in heaven or on earth. Never have we seen such beauty. We cannot describe it, but this much we can say, there God dwells among mankind. And we must add here, humanity dwells even now with God. The focal point of all the liturgical drama is the act of worship of the unnamed one on the throne and of the Lamb in Revelation. To choose life is to worship. The Israelites were liberated from Egypt so that they could worship. You might remember that God commanded Moses to say to Pharaoh, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, sent me to you to say, let my people go so that they may worship me in the wilderness. And beyond the wilderness, the promised land was not just real estate. It was the environment in which God could be worshipped by his holy people, obedient to his law. The celestial liturgy of the Lamb in Revelation 4 is an ordered event, structured by repetition. The elders casting their crowns before the throne before a huge cast of angels and saints. It's a gigantic ceremony. George Mackay Brown, the Orkney poet and novelist and Catholic, wrote a story in which the main character defends himself against a Protestant accusation of having been seduced by Popish Mumbo Jumbo. He says, it is ceremony that makes bearable for us the terrors and ecstasies that lie deep in the earth and in our earth-nourished human nature. Only saints can encounter those realities. What saves us is ceremony. Ceremony makes everything bearable and beautiful for us. Thus transfigured by ceremony, the truths we could not otherwise endure come to us. We invite them to enter. We set them down at our tables. These angels bring gifts for the house of the soul. The instinct to worship 
is, we believe, inherent in our humanity. It can't be suppressed even by the technocratic imagination. Most of us have had some sense or experience of the transcendent, usually in our teens or early twenties. The heavens opened for a moment and we had a glimpse of glory. But too often, we then received no help as to how to respond. Many people just shake their heads and wonder what all that was about, what had they been smoking or drinking. And so the door that was opened drifts shut and we settle back into banality. Even as churchgoers, our experience is often just so many words, words which at worst may teach us to beware of experience. But worship is experience. It's an action of the whole person. It's who we are. And it must be unprosaic and even sometimes wordless to segue from that glimpse of glory to a sense of the presence of the transcendent God. I wonder whether even those 70 elders whose experience is described in our first lesson in Exodus 24 pondered uncertainly in later life what they had seen when they beheld God and ate and drank. Well, they had at least a system of shared ceremonial worship in which to anchor their experience. They knew that this could happen, this meeting with God. They could enjoy it and feast. We are fortunate enough to have the opportunity every Sunday here to behold God and at Mass to eat and drink, to behold God in the beautiful service of benediction which we're about to enjoy. It's a re weekly reminder that an encounter with the transcendent, with God, is available to us and should be shared with others. Father Timothy Radcliffe writes in his book, Alive in God, which is one of the books I'm going to commend to you this Lent, worship draws us out of the suffocating bubble of our own being. It refuses narcissism and self-contemplation. It liberates us from a complacent egoism and expresses our fundamental relationship with one another as fellow worshippers. We are released from our tiny self-obsession, from what Iris Murdoch calls the fat, relentless ego. We kneel and worship because, thanks be to God, we are not the centre of the world. It revolves around others and ultimately around God. In the wonderful phrase of the American Franciscan, Richard Rohr, your life is not about you. St. Paul says, I do not live, but Christ lives in me. We yield the center of the stage. We are happy with a small walk-on part. Our prayers at benediction this evening, picking up on the anthem which providentially we've heard, will take the form of St. Thomas Aquinas' hymn, Adoro Te Devote, the we adore, O Hidden Saviour.
which perfectly expresses this sense of worship. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift.